Well, good morning and a happy Mother's Day. We do have some awesome moms in this church. I'm thankful for the godly and loving moms in this church, the godly and loving moms in my life. Uh, moms work so hard, don't they? I was uh, driving to southern Indiana a couple weeks ago, and I drove past a church sign, and it said, if evolution is true, then how come mothers still only have two hands? Moms work so hard. They juggle so many things. Moms are, are natural teachers, too. I've learned so much from my mom. One author said, my mom taught me about the food groups. If you put one foot outside that door, you're not getting any homemade bread. My mom taught me contortions. Have you seen the dirt on the back of your neck? My mom taught me to stand firm. You'll sit there till you finish your vegetables. My mom taught me about weather. It looks like a tornado swept through your room. My mom taught me about hypocrisy. If I've told you once, I've told you a million times. Don't exaggerate. My mom taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. My mom taught me about behavior programming. Stop acting like your father. My mom taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children who don't have parents like yours. Well, today we are going to be talking about parenting. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Proverbs. And if you're a parent or you hope to be a parent someday, this message is for you. And even if you don't desire to be a parent, you don't get to check out today. Because as the church, as the body of Christ, every single one of us has a vested interest in raising godly children. If you don't have kids, you have a role in supporting those that do. And so this message really is for everyone. We want all of our children to grow up to be wise, godly, and successful adults. But how do we make that happen? How do we raise children in a world that seems to be getting much more complex and confusing every day? How do we handle rapidly changing technology? Today, kids have access to virtually anything at their fingertips. Years ago, kids had to search out pornography. Now it's just a click away. Social media creates unhealthy comparisons, with kids' self-worth completely dependent on how many likes, views, shares, or comments they receive. Child predators groom kids through video games and DMs. Mental health is at an all-time low. A Pew Research Center survey earlier this year revealed that 40% of U.S. parents are extremely concerned about their child struggling with anxiety or depression. And another 36% of parents are somewhat concerned. Today's children are subject to terms like gender identity and gender fluidity. We see biological boys participating in girls' sports. There are a host of other fundamental issues that we didn't even know about 10 years ago. And then there's the violence. According to the Washington Post, there have been at least 380 school shootings since Columbine in 1999 affecting more than 352,000 students and killing 200. In the past, kids might hear about something tragic like this on the evening news or in the newspaper, but now oftentimes it's streamed online in real time. Kids today face pressures and challenges that past generations never had to deal with. What are we supposed to do? How can we hope to lead our kids through this ever-changing world? Thankfully, the book of Proverbs has some answers. 
Proverbs is a collection of wisdom sayings that were written to help us navigate life's challenges and to make wise choices. And as we'll see today, Proverbs also offers us some timeless principles for parenting. So let's dive in. Proverbs teaches us that nothing is as important to pursue as wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Now, I'll be the first to say that when it comes to parenting on most days, it feels like I get it wrong more than I get it right. I need wisdom, and I will be the first one to say it. It's why I've always tried to make sure that I've got relationships with some people who are at least one or two stages ahead of me in parenting so that I can just pepper them with questions. What do you do when this happens? How did you handle this? Seeking wisdom means getting wise counsel from others who have walked the path of parenting before us. It means humbling ourselves before God, studying his word, and asking him for guidance. And the reason this matters so much is because wise parents set the foundation and direction for their children's lives. Wise parents set the foundation and direction of their children's lives. So first, it's important that we discipline in love. Discipline in love. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, it says, the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. This verse teaches us that God equates discipline with love. Discipline is necessary to direct our children in the way they should go. Discipline involves correcting disobedience and rebellion and helping our children to make wise choices. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, the author reminds us that God disciplines those he loves just as a father disciplines his children. The purpose is to help us grow in wisdom and in character, to offer correction, not to simply just punish. Proverbs 19, verse 18, it says, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. The best time to discipline your child is now. Don't think that there will be a better time. Don't procrastinate. Don't ignore. When you see a behavior or an attitude that needs to be corrected, check it immediately. Let them know that what they're doing or what they're saying isn't right and good. This prevents bad behavior from taking root. It's easier to pull up a weed than it is to cut down a tree. So what's it look like to discipline and love? One, it means to set clear boundaries and consequences. Make sure your children know what's expected, but not only what's expected, but why it's expected. Why is this a desirable behavior? And then let them know what will happen if those boundaries are broken. Be clear in your communication. Two, be consistent. Follow through on what you say. Stay true to your word. If you constantly make empty threats, your kids are going to know there's no reason for them to, to change their behavior because they know ultimately nothing's going to happen. Be consistent. Three, show compassion and forgiveness when our kids make mistakes. There are no perfect kids because there's no perfect parents. And our kids are going to make mistakes 
And just like Christ Jesus has forgiven us, we need to extend forgiveness to our children. One of my friends growing up, his parents gave him three rules. Be a leader, not a follower. Remember who you are. And whatever happens, you can always call home. I, I love that because there, there's, there's safety built in there. That no matter what happens, no matter what mess I get into, I know that I can call home and mom and dad will be there for me. Because wise parents set the foundation and direction of their children's lives, second, it's important that we model faithfulness to Christ. Modeling a life of faith involves living out our own relationship with God in front of our children. It means demonstrating what it looks like to trust God in difficult circumstances, what it looks like to seek his wisdom and guidance, and to love and serve others as Christ did. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. Blameless, not perfect. It is your direction, not perfection, that will most impact your children. Because when, when, when your children see a parent who is growing in their relationship with Jesus, when, when they see that, that you are maturing in their life, that will leave a lasting impact on their life. The New Living Translation says, the godly walk with integrity. Now, we often associate integrity with honesty and, and moral uprightness. But one of the definitions of integrity is the state of being whole or undivided. So someone might say, we kept the integrity of our team together. And I think that definition is instructive. Our kids need to see us as who we are, not some fake version, not some polished version of ourselves, but as someone who is a whole and undivided person. I believe one of the worst things we can do as parents is to operate from a posture of do as I say, not as I do. Where you hear your kids saying something inappropriate and you say, hey, hey, don't, don't say that. We, we don't say that. But, but dad, I hear you say that. Hey, son, don't smoke. It's, it's bad for you. But, but, but dad, why, why do you do it? Walking with integrity means that you model faithfulness. And as your kids get older, they will love that you were a parent of integrity. You won't do everything right. You'll make mistakes, probably a lot of them. But your kids will be drawn to your integrity. And I would also add, don't be afraid to be vulnerable with your kids. If, if you're struggling, if you're processing with the decision, let them know. And this is an area, personally, that, that I'm trying to grow in. Because I used to think that I had to project this image of having it all together. But I'm learning, mainly due to my wife, that our kids respond better and they resonate when I share with them how I feel. So when I come home and they say, Dad, how was your day? Instead of just saying, oh, good, it was fine. If it was a tough day, I'll say, you know what? It was, it was a pretty stressful day. How, how was your day? Our daughter, Ellie, this week, she was making this gift for her teacher, and she was cutting some things out, and she had made a few cuts in the wrong places and felt like she had just ruined the entire project, and she was so distraught over it. She had just ruined her whole evening. And later that night, we were getting ready for bed, and I was talking with her, and I said, you seem pretty upset. And she said, yeah, I ruined it. And she was all frustrated, and I said, it's frustrating when you make mistakes, isn't it? She said, yeah. I said, Ellie, I know exactly how you feel. I get so frustrated with myself when, when I make mistakes. 
I said, but what I've learned is that you have to show yourself grace. It's going to be okay. Show yourself grace. See, the reality is people admire your strengths, but they identify with your weaknesses. The importance of modeling your faith is seen in Paul's letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded lives in you also. Now, most scholars believe that Timothy's dad wasn't a Christian, but Timothy had a grandmother who followed Jesus and modeled a Christ-like faith. And that faith was passed on to Timothy's mother. And she followed Jesus, and she modeled faithfulness. And Timothy saw that faithfulness modeled in his grandmother and in his mother, which caused him to want to follow Christ too. Parents, let's commit ourselves to modeling faithfulness to Christ for our children. Let's seek God's wisdom and guidance in our own lives. And let's demonstrate what it looks like to live out our faith in front of our children. As we do so, not only will we raise our children to be wise and godly, but we will also leave a lasting impact of faith for generations to come. Wise parents set the direction and the foundation of their children's lives. So number three, train your child in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs 22 verse six says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The New Living Translation says, direct your child on to the right path. Our kids are children for such a short period of time. It goes by so fast. Once childhood is gone, it's gone forever. A child is like quick-drying cement. It can only be molded while it's wet. The longer you wait, the harder it gets. Proverbs 22, verse 6, it's often misunderstood to mean that if we teach our children the right things, they'll always do the right things. But that's not what it means. In Hebrew, the word train means to dedicate or initiate. That's what we did last Sunday when we dedicated 19 babies to the Lord in our worship services. We should dedicate our children to the Lord from a young age and initiate them into the way of godliness. We do this, as we've already said, by disciplining them, by modeling faithfulness ourselves, and we do it thirdly, by teaching them. The formative years of a child are crucial. Wise parents know that the opportunity to train their children is greatest when their minds are receptive and open to godly instruction. Our children are always watching us. They see what we say, they see what we do, Think of how many things you say and do because of your parents. I'm an IU fan because I grew up watching my dad root for IU. Many of you are Purdue fans because you grew up and you watched your parents and your grandparents root for Purdue. Several years ago at a VBS, I was leading a small group of kids, and I asked the question, why do you love God? And there was silence for a moment, and a kid in the back of the circle said, I guess it just runs in the family. That is the power of training. At one time, pastor and author John Piper was asked why he was a Christian. And without skipping a beat, he said, because my mom's a Christian. I trust my mom and know that she wouldn't train me up to believe in something that wasn't true. So simple, yet profound. 
Teaching our children about God isn't just about teaching them to memorize Bible verses and attend church. It involves more than just teaching what's right and wrong. It involves intentionally shaping their hearts, minds, and character so that they will develop a love of God and desire to follow his will. We need to teach them how to pray, how to worship, how to seek God's guidance in every area of their lives. When we do this, we are giving them a foundation that will stay with them for the rest of their lives. There was a mom named Michelle who was trying to teach her children good manners, about how to say please and thank you and how to be polite. She also helped them memorize scripture. One day, her four-year-old son, John, wanted to practice wrestling with his mom so that he would be better prepared to take on his older brother. So Michelle got on the floor and was wrestling around with John, and pretty quickly, John began losing the battle, and he wanted to be released. And so Michelle thought this was an opportunity, so she said, what's the magic word? And John replied, Exodus 8, verse 1, let my people go. (laughs) In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, which we read earlier, God instructs parents to teach his word to their children diligently, to talk about it when they sit in their house and when they walk by the road, when they lie down and when they get up. This is an example of intentional, consistent training that shapes a child's heart and mind. Do you know why this is so important? If you don't train them, someone else will. If you don't train them, someone else will. YouTube influencers will train them, friends will train them, Hollywood will train them, the internet will train them, politicians will train them, activists will train them, video games will train them, and listen, these forces actively want to train your children. We cannot afford to pass this off on someone else. It is our responsibility. Listen, I I am thankful for our local school districts. I am thankful for the godly teachers and administrators that are helping to teach our kids. Many of them are a part of our church. But as much as they do, it is not their job to parent your kids. That is your God-given role. I believe that we have, hands down, the greatest children's ministry. I truly believe that. Our children's ministry can impact your kids. They can teach your kids. But our children's ministry cannot raise your kids. Did you know that the average church has only 40 hours a year of potential influence with a kid? The average parent has 3,000 hours per year to influence the life of their kid. Think about that. Our children's ministry uses a curriculum from an organization called Orange. And the way that they came up with their name is by the two colors that come together to make orange. They see their ministry as the light of the church combining with the heart of the family. 40 hours versus 3,000. Do you know what those numbers tell me? It tells me that what matters at home, what happens at home, matters more than what happens at church. The church best serves us as parents by coming alongside of us, not replacing us. The church is designed to partner with us and parenting. So parents, be intentional about training your children in the way they should go. You have 936 weeks from the time your child is born until they graduate high school. And you can ask any empty nester in here, 
those years go by very quickly. Now the question is, what happens if my child is a prodigal? I train my child. I, I raise them to, to love God, but now they don't believe. They, they don't want anything to do with Christ. It doesn't matter how old your children get, you never stop being a parent, do you? You still love them. You still want what's best for them. You still would do anything for them. J. Wallace Hamilton, he tells a story about a preacher's son who rebelled. They couldn't control him. One night in the wee hours of the morning, he staggered in dead drunk, fell on his bed, and passed out. The preacher was asleep. An hour later, he woke up and saw that his wife wasn't by his side, and so he tiptoed into his son's room, and his wife was seated at his bedside where the boy was asleep. The mother stroked his matted hair, and with tears streaming down her face, she said, he won't let me love him when he's awake. Maybe some of you know how that feels. We need to remember that Proverbs are not promises. They detail probable outcomes, not guaranteed outcomes. Proverbs 22, verse 6 doesn't guarantee that our children will never stray from the right path. However, it does suggest that by raising our children in a godly way, we increase the likelihood that they will remain on the right path as they grow older. But even if they've rebelled, you can reclaim lost ground. Never stop loving. Never stop praying for your child. Ask God for wisdom. Remind them of God's love for them. Remind them of your love for them. Admit that you've made mistakes as parents. And then entrust that child to God. Like the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 who came to his senses after turning away from his father and he came back home. Trust that the foundation and the direction that you set in your child's life will bring them back to their heavenly father. Parenting is a wonderful calling. It is the highest, most rewarding job you will ever have. So seek the wisdom found in Proverbs. Parents, your role is irreplaceable, so don't give up. Your role is incredibly difficult, so don't do it alone. Your role is exhausting, so don't neglect the care of your own soul. Your role is rewarding, so celebrate the victories. Your role was given to you by God, so seek him constantly. And you will make mistakes in your role, so give yourself grace. There you have it. Understanding that wise parents set the foundation and direction of their children's lives, Proverbs teaches us to discipline and love, model faithfulness to Christ, and train our children in the way of the Lord. It's not easy. It's no guarantee that our children will always make right choices or follow the right path, but by following these principles, we can set them up for success and give them the tools needed to navigate life's challenges. And if our children wander away from the Lord, we can know that they have a foundation to fall back on, even when they make mistakes. I believe one of the most freeing moments comes when we understand that we cannot force anyone into the kingdom of God, even our children. Each person must make a choice to respond to the love of God and Jesus Christ. And I know there are a lot of mothers who have prayed 
that their son or daughter would make that decision. In fact, there might be a son or daughter here today whose mother has been praying for them to make that decision that would change their life for all of eternity. I wonder if it's you. Would you go to the Lord with me? Father, we thank you for the wisdom that we find in Proverbs. God, I pray that that all of us, whether we're biological parents or adopted parents or spiritual parents or just supporting other parents in this church, that all of us would gain wisdom, that we would seek the wisdom that comes from you, that we would pursue wisdom at all costs. God, the wisest thing we can ever do, the wisest decision we can ever make is to trust in Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life, to give our life to Christ. God, thank you that in your wisdom, wisdom that seems so foolish to the world, you sent Jesus to come to this earth to be our Savior, to reconcile all things. And so, God, I pray that we would trust you, that every parent in here would trust their children to you, and that all of us would support each other in this journey. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.